Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. Welcome to the Touring Plans Podcast. I'm Angela Dahlgren, here with my co-host, Brian McNichols. Hello. And we have a special guest today. We have Alex Robinson from the podcast, Star Wars Minute. Alex, please say hi. Hello there. (laughs) We are very, very happy to have you on the show today. Uh, Do you want to tell us about yourself and your podcast, Star Wars Minute? Star Uh, Wars Minute. Sure. I am the co-host of the podcast, Star Wars Minute, uh, with my uh, friend, well, friend, uh, colleague, Pete the Retailer, and um, we go through every Star Wars minute one movie at a time. So we do one podcast devoted to minute one of Star Wars, one podcast devoted to minute two, etc., etc., etc. And uh, we are now uh, almost done with, uh, well, I guess we're about two-thirds of the way through Force Awakens at this point. Brian and I are especially excited for this episode because, as some of you may know, we're doing a Star Wars rewatch leading up to the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is opening at Disneyland Park on May 31st and Disney World, Walt Disney World, on August 29th. So to have you on the show, we are just going to grill you. We're going to talk about your experiences with the <laughs> Disney parks. We're okay. going to ask how you feel about you know Disney taking over the Star Wars franchise and maybe talk a little bit about your thoughts on building a theme park land for Star Wars. I have recently been listening to a lot of Star Wars minutes because of uh, our, our rewatch, which you can find on the Touring Plans YouTube channel. But it's a very, very in-depth look, but uh, there tends to be a lot of uh, fun and in-jokes and things like that. So if you are even a passing Star Wars fan, it is very enjoyable. Well, and Brian, that's actually kind of how you prep for our uh, YouTube lives before we have them is listening to Star Wars Minute. entirely all of the prep I do. (laughs) So So we should really be thanking Pete and Alex for all of their hard work. And and I have plugged the podcast on every video, I think, so far. No, you have. Yeah, credit where credit's due. You've definitely done that. Well, you are welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so where do you want to start, Brian? I'm going to hand it over to you. What is your relationship with, with the theme parks? Are... Our general listenership are people that go to, you know, specifically Disney parks usually mm-hmm. very, very often. We've been trying to branch out some with people that maybe aren't insane people about theme parks. <laughs> so um, where where do you fall on that? Have you, have you been to the Disney parks? How, how often? My wife and I, for a time, got into it going. Uh, we went to, I guess it was just probably in the 90s, because so we went to Disney World proper, what was then MGM mm-hmm. Studios and Universal, mm-hmm. all mostly the ones down in Florida. And we also did the ones in uh, the Calif- California Adventure and Disneyland mm-hmm. as well. Um, plus weird things like, you know, Great Adventure and things like that. Does, oh, that yeah. count? Does that count as a theme park in your, those six flags? Does that count? We don't technically cover it, but yeah, mm-hmm. I love, I, I'm, I'm in Pennsylvania, so okay. I've been to Six Flags many, many times. And the, the one back in New when Jersey? The, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Back when the monkeys could climb on your car and rip stuff off of it in the <laughs> safari, yeah. So that was, that was back in the 90s, you said? Yes. Have you been at all since? I went to Disneyland a few years ago because I wanted to, after we started doing the podcast, people were asking us about Star Tours, and I was like, well, I haven't been on it for a long time, so let me... Uh, so Pete and I both went on Star Tours again just to, uh, you know, for, for, for research for the show. It was just for oh, Naturally, naturally, mm-hmm. research. Yeah. yeah, that's why so, we go to the parks too, research. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, by the time we discovered, when we discovered Las Vegas, that kind of dampened our enthusiasm for theme parks <laughs> because, you know, we don't have children and in Las Vegas you can drink and gamble and yeah. not have to deal with as many children. So it, it yeah. kind of made it disney a little less uh, tempting yeah. <laughs> but we definitely want to go back for the uh, star star wars land yeah so what did you think about star tours i thought it was a lot of fun i think part of my another reason why i have a lack of enthusiasm is i feel like i'm getting old enough now where like going on amusement park rides is like a more more uh, physically demanding than it is fun <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, the next day you're like, oh, my God, my neck is killing me. Or oh, whatever, so. Star Tours <laughs> will do that. Every time I go on Star Tours, I come off and I just want to vomit. So yeah. that'll do that to you in one form I, or another. Yeah. I will say the newer version. And, and have you, were you on the, the, the newer version where it's, it's C-3PO driving the shuttle? I think so. Who was the other? The, other, the previous the other pilot one was, was just some generic droid. It right? was RX-24. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. RX. yeah. 
Yeah, the newer version, they updated a lot of the stuff. It, it Well, the, I mean, in, in specific terms, it rotates on more axles now and everything like that. So it's, okay. it's a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. It's better. The old one used to used to kill me. But no, I feel that I do. Both Angela and I have, have relatively young children, but I turned 40 last year and my kids still want to do all of the rides that spin and throw you into walls <laughs> mm-hmm. and whatever else they do. So there are many times where I have to just kind of sit down for a few minutes after I get off oh, of a ride. Yeah. You know, and I find with Star Tours, it really depends on the adventure you get because, you know, it, they have a bunch of different ones to choose from and you never know which one you're going to get. And so I've been on one where I was fine and I really didn't get too sick. And then the last time I went, which I think was in November, I came off and I wanted to throw up. So I really think it depends on that too, is what kind of simulation they give you as well. A lot of variables. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what I wanted to ask you is, you know, being a Star Wars fan and doing the podcast that you do, what was your initial reaction when you heard about what Disney was doing and building these two lands that are going to be 14 acres? I was enthusiastic about it. The idea of getting to walk into a actual full-size Millennium Falcon is uh, mesmerizing. But uh, anyway, it's a dream come true. So I'm I'm super excited about it. I uh, I can't wait. Have you made plans to go to either of the parks at all? Not yet. I figure the first, uh, we were hoping that they were going to have Star Wars Celebration, you know, in conjunction with it this year, because we go oh, to yeah. Celebration right. every year. We were, so we were like, oh, since they didn't have it last year, they must be having it in Orlando mm-hmm. or in, uh, you know, uh, Anaheim. But uh, no such luck. So Chicago. Uh, Chicago yeah. of all places. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'll get there. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of uh, tempted to... Uh, I don't feel the need to be there during the first rush of people and stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. that's probably... what Brian and I are there for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You guys are our eyes and ears on the ground. I'm going to be going to Disneyland at the end of May for that one. And Angela's doing Disney world at the end of August. But uh, despite dealing with theme parks for a living, I'm not a huge fan of, of crowds. Yeah. It's one of the things that, that drew me to touring plans. Cause that's kind of our whole deal is trying to help you beat the crowds basically. Mm-hmm. So I am both looking forward to it because I am. I have I've said many times there will be quite a few tears flowing when I get to step in the Millennium Falcon's uh, cockpit. But uh, <laughs> but having to deal with the hordes and hordes of people is not something I'm looking forward to. You know, I do I do kind of want to talk about the attractions and kind of hear Alex's thoughts on them. So let's do a little bit of a breakdown about Galaxy's Edge. You know, like I said, it's opening in May and August. And um, it's going to be 14 acres of land, which I also said. And it's it will be the largest single theme land expansion at any Disney park. And like Brian wrote in our show notes, it will be very, very busy. The qualifiers cracked me up. The largest single themed land expansion, which makes me think that there are bigger lands that are single themed that have not been expanded. Or it's like, I don't know. They, it Disney was written really throw, weird. Yeah. Disney loves to throw qualifiers on that stuff. But I sorry, know. go ahead. Ask your question. I interrupt too much. It's okay. I, I have a too. question as well. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, so you said the Star Wars is 14 acres. Mm-hmm. How How is that compared to, say, Fantasyland or one of the other ones? Do you know in terms of acreage? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, go ahead, Brian. So the, the recent construction projects at Disney and Universal have been much smaller. I know uh, somebody, I believe it was Attractions Magazine, uh, which is a, a Orlando-based theme park uh, website and, and publication, did a, a comparison where or you can fit um, at, at Animal Kingdom in... Uh, Walt Disney World, they just they recently built Pandora two years ago from mm-hmm. from the Avatar films, and you can fit like that and the two Harry Potter lands at Universal all inside of Galaxy's Edge pretty easily. Wow, um, I'm not sure how it compares to the existing lands, but I will I will look as we're talking and, and see if I can come up with it. Brian, did you want to give a little backstory of the land itself, and then we'll delve into the rides? Sure, I will do that. The land, and this is another thing Disney has been doing like crazy, is their their weird no, nomenclature. So the land, as far as the theme park is concerned, is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. But the theory when you walk into it is that you are leaving Earth and you are arriving on the planet of Batu, specifically the community of Black Spire Outpost. Now, Batu is an outer rim planet, so it is presumably not under the control of uh, what is now the the First Order 
although the First Order is there. They have uh, recently a lot arrived in Black Spire Outpost looking for, for something that we don't know yet. The seven, 709th, the Red Fury, is specifically the battalion of the First Order. And then right after them, of course, the Resistance shows up because that's what they do. They resist. That is the, the, the quick and dirty version. Alex, I guess I, what, I, what I'm curious for, for someone who has delved so deeply into Star Wars mythologies, how do you feel about them? I, I mean, I assume, I assume you're, you're positive as far as them giving it this, this kind of backstory. How do you, how do you like what they've, they've done with uh, the story of Batu and the Black Spire outpost? It's funny. I love Star Wars, believe it or not. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. Oh, uh, I love the, I love well, and but I should qualify in that I love the Star Wars films. Uh, whenever mm. if I s- encounter Star Wars material that is not like with the films, either the comics or mm-hmm. reading novels or anything like that, it tips over just into kind of like cornball silliness to me. So the fact that they had to come up with a backstory for the theme park and all that, like I don't know, it's just too. I guess everyone has their lines as to what is too much, but I'm like, who cares? Do I really need to know where this, where I am in the continuity of Star Wars while I'm buying these, going on these rides? You know what I mean? I don't know. You know, I guess I have a question going off of that. Mm -hmm. Do you mind that it's going off of the more newer films, or do you wish that it kind of stuck with, you know, the original trilogy, the theming? In a perfect world, because I'm an old man, I would want it to be the classic films, but I am also uh, aware enough that, you know, they, they want to appeal to a new generation of fans and mm-hmm. things keep moving and so on. So it doesn't bother me, but, you know, of course I would love it more if it was specifically just, you know, Star Wars and Empire and all right, maybe grudgingly some Jedi stuff, but, but, yeah, uh, but you know, it, it really doesn't bother <laughs> well, me. I'm, I'm fine with uh, expanding it. And I have a hard time taking it seriously when it's not in the, even in the films, I'd sometimes have a hard time taking it seriously, but, when it's not in the films, I, my suspension of disbelief starts to crumble a bit. Right. And from a Disney perspective, I mean, they're the ones making the newer films, so they're going to push it in the parks. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Oh, so yeah, yeah. makes sense. I actually, despite being a, a big theme park fan, I tend to, to side more with you, Alex. I think sometimes I do as well. they, get, they get very ridiculous with with this kind of thing. and And I think some of this is... When Universal opened their their second Harry Potter section diagonally in, in Florida, you saw some some online hand wringing about well the the timeline doesn't really add up because <laughs> the dragon is there, which means it happened during like the seventh movie, but yet this shop is still there. So you know, and and you're like, does it matter? <laughs> and and it doesn't, and it doesn't to ninety nine percent of guests. Right. So yeah, I, I, this is the type of backstory that I feel like almost all of the guests just plain will not know exists right <laughs> so, or care yeah. yeah 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 i'm all for having all the theme parks take place in sort of nexus of all realities where ray can meet yeah. young luke skywalker and you know that doesn't mm-hmm. nothing really affects the real uh, the quote real universe <laughs> yeah real and it's funny because they did they definitely tried to tie a ton of it together because i i saw somewhere and i i couldn't find exactly whose article because there was when details got released of course there are a million articles about about galaxy's edge but i saw somewhere where the cantina was visited by anakin and padme at some point in some in some expanded universe novel <laughs> and they have they even have like the white wine that padme ordered when she was there. and i'm like oh my god please <laughs> stretching it a little bit okay but i whatever well, let's as far as the attractions go. Let's start with Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, since uh, if you if you're listening and you don't know, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge will be opened in two phases. The first phase will just include the attraction Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, and shortly after, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance will open. So let's start with Smuggler's Run, Brian. If you don't mind telling us a little bit about that attraction, and then we'll talk about it, and then we'll move on. I will go through the the very Cliff Notes version. Um, basically, the again the backstory here and yeah, and Alex, if if you are not familiar with especially more recent uh, Disney attractions, they all have crazy uh, deep backstories for reasons that are unusual sometimes. Uh, this one is that the smuggler Honda Onaka, who is featured fairly heavily in the the Clone Wars and I and Rebels series, I believe too, he has is taking care of the Millennium Falcon 
uh, right now and is deciding to use it for for some sort of job. The guests, of course, are the ones that he is is bringing on to do that job. You go through, there is an Onaka animatronic. He has a droid, an R5P8 specifically, and uh, you get to to fly the Millennium Falcon. There are, are six spots in each cabin, two pilots, two engineers, two navigators, and it looks awesome. I don't even know how I'm going to react, honestly, when I see this thing. I mean, what I love about this ride is how you react as the pilot, as the gunner, you know, as a flight engineer how you react depends on how your flight goes. So if you're the pilot, if you crash into something, then the engineer has to try to fix it. You know, if you're the gunner and you miss a shot, your whole mission could fail. And then afterwards you get off the ship and people will know about it. And then you get a reputation afterwards and it's only fixed, you know, when you go on the attraction again and have a better outcome. So I just think that's so cool. Oh my gosh. I hate it. Oh, I think it's so cool. But I think, I think that's through the, the Play Disney Parks app where you would kind of build that reputation. So you'd have to be involved with that, which that might be enough to actually make me download it because I just, I just, once I'm in the parks, I have too many things to think about, but I mean, I might do it just for that. That would be cool. Alex, why don't you like it? Well, the fact that you have to do the app, okay. So you you don't have to do it. Basically, is is what you're here. You can opt no. out of having people yell at you for yes. lowering. That's what I'm worried <laughs> is I'm going to go there and some like 16 year old kid's going to be yelling at me because I missed a tie fighter and therefore his score went down or something and get you know. So, but as long as uh, I can opt yeah. out, great. I'm all on board. But Alex, what if it was like a Star Wars character yelling at you? I don't want. <laughs> I'm not paying top dollar to get yelled at by some Star Wars character, by anyone. Maybe Admiral Akbar. Admiral Akbar can yell at me. I don't want anyone else yelling at me. What about like Greedo or something? I would, I would, by the way, I would pay thousands of dollars if Admiral Akbar would just follow me around occasionally yelling about traps. Because oh, that'd be hilarious. Do the reputation stuff I am a little cynical about because I think I don't mind the fact that like you'll walk into the cantina or whatever and they'll be like, oh, you're you're the crappy pilot who, who can, couldn't figure out the Millennium Falcon. You're that kid you know, who threw that, up on the ride, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. That'd be me. Um, <laughs> But I, I don't really see it working. That I don't way. see it I, working either. I, I feel like I feel like they're it's gonna they're gonna make a big deal of it at first, and then there's just gonna be too many people to yeah. deal with. And and yeah, like like you said, Alex. I, I I mean, even within the ride, well, the rumor when this first came out was that the ride duration would change depending on how you did. Hmm. But they were afraid that there would actually be fights among people that like, I waited four hours for this and you just screwed up and ended my ride. Yeah. (laughs) Which exactly, which 100% would have happened. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I am curious. I, you know, I didn't even think of that. Like other people on the ride, like, yeah, if there's some like cocky 12 year old, that's the pilot and you, and, and yeah, you, you, don't blow up the star destroyer or something and and ruin his reputation like that could get weird i mean i think it's a fun concept though it's fun because especially if you're like the pilot or something you know it kind of gives you a little bit of ownership like it's your ship you know so i think it's a fun perspective (laughs) but like i didn't really think about getting yelled at so i mean i guess i kind of get why (laughs) you wouldn't like it but if it was a star wars character doing it that would kind of be fun but i do have a question for you alex brian and i have already kind of talked about this would you rather be the pilot, the gunner, or the flight engineer? I would say in that order, pilot, gunner, who on earth picks being the engineer? That's like got to be <laughs> no, the eagle. Like, no, that's like being picked last in softball. Yeah. It's like, that's who's the flight engineer. Well, I've already joked that I'm going to just carry a bunch of cash so I can bribe somebody else in my cockpit if I get engineer. Like, what do you, what Brian, is- that's not a joke. You would do that. That's- that's well, yeah, that's true. That that's a droid's job. Come on. So yeah. if you're the engineer, do you just have to like get into one of those uh, little under, you know, lift up those metal grates and climb down there and have steam <laughs> shooting out at you for, for ten minutes? Okay, that'd be I, really I would be cool more though. excited about it if it I was know, that. I know, I would yeah. too. Same, same with the gunner. Like in my brain, I picture like climbing down the ladder I into know, the gunner's chair of. and stuff. But it's it's just six seats in a like in a cockpit like you're it's really not that so i have a feeling everything except the pilot is just not going to be exciting i would pick the gunner though just because i know i'd crash as the pilot and flipping the handle into hyperspace is giving me chills already Ugh. oh i didn't think about that 
okay, now I want to be the pilot. Because it, it's there, because the, 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 the reporters that got to see it walked into the cockpit and they have they have the, the handle and, and it apparently feels nice and heavy and real. So I'm changing yeah. my answer. That sounds that sounds yeah. amazing. I almost wonder if they're gonna let like the engineer like send it in hyperspace or something just to make that a little bit more desirable. make them feel special. Yeah. yeah. So they don't get like the leftover job. It would be hilarious if the engineer's job was literally just to hit a button and then you see a little R2 unit climb out and do all the work for you. <laughs> like what what is this? It's like the kid's job. But let's talk about Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Brian, again, I'll have you do the backstory because oh I like listening to you talk about it because you get so excited. These backstories, though, are especially this one. This is Rise of the Resistance is the attraction. It's kind of the main ride. We assume it's supposed to be something we've never seen before. It mm-hmm. is uh, not going to open with the land on either coast. They haven't said exactly when it will open, but it will be later. Mm-hmm. So this one is, this is now the resistance side of the Black Spire outpost. And uh, you are now being recruited by the resistance. A lot of recruitment going on in, in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. But the resistance wants to, uh, you know, recruit you to help. They break your part, the, the crowd into, uh, or the line, I suppose it won't be a crowd. That would be awful. Into 50 people or so. And they put you onto a shuttle. The shuttle, by the way, is driven by... Uh, uh, Alex, can you nine nub? Nine nub. I always thought it was Nien nub. Yeah, I, that's one of those that I have really just read it, and I've heard people pronounce it so many times that I think this is just one of those regional things where people say the first name differently. But I think a lot of people yeah. miss; they think his last name is numb, like comfortably numb, but it's yeah. N U. But this is N B, so it's like nun, like the flying nun with a B at the end. So. All this right. is good, though, because we have the West Coast way, we have the East Coast way, and the Midwest mm. way. It's like the World Series of Nine Numb. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is good. All, All right. right. But anyway, so Nine Numb is your shuttle pilot, but the shuttle isn't actually the ride. While you're on this shuttle, you are pulled into a Star Destroyer by tractor beam. You get out of the shuttle, and all of a sudden, you are in the hangar of a, of a Star Destroyer. Then you are broken up into even smaller groups of 10-ish or so, we've heard, and put into a detention cell, much like the one that, that Ray finds herself in when she uh, gets interrogated by Kylo Ren. And then from there, you, are, you escape. You board a, the actual ride vehicle, which is a trackless vehicle. And from there, we don't exactly know what happens. Uh, the parts we know is that you will go beneath some some giant Imperial walkers, AT-ATs, or ATATs, or whatever else you want to call them. And um, you encounter Kylo Ren multiple times, apparently. And the ride ends with getting onto the vehicle getting onto another shuttle where it will apparently crash back into Batu, so that when you exit the ride, you are back on the planet. Now, Alex, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this one, because this one is much more centered on the current mm-hmm. uh, films, and it is a very unusual ride. Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is that uh, as soon as you said that Nine Nunba would be piloting the ship, and I figured they're going to have people dressed up and wearing Nine Nunba costumes, I'm totally on board right there <laughs> from the start. <laughs> I think I think he's an animatronic, oh, actually. Oh, so. yeah. now I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? There will be cast members in first order costume that get to like scream at you and put you in a detention center. So this goes back to your, you know, sixteen-year-old yelling yeah. at you. <laughs> I don't like. I'm sorry about that. I don't that. like audience participation in these in these things. No, I'm not a huge huge fan of it either. Uh, partially, not that I'm particularly embarrassed to do anything like that. Mm. I just think it is just not funny ever. Yeah. When, when that stuff happens, so I mean, this sounds like a very cool attraction this one i am very much just waiting and seeing the 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 star destroyer hangar sounds crazy that sounds really cool i'm excited for that part it's supposed to be like it's got like a hundred foot tv screen it's supposed to be just this massive massive space that will be very neat to be in a star destroyer hangar of course the the walkers i my first star wars movie that i saw was was empire strikes back and i have a very clear memory of watching uh, of that Hoth scene. So being anywhere near the Adats is is going to be thrilling. But although I, I wonder if they're the new the new versions of them. Reading through it, like I was showing my husband this write-up today because I was so excited about it. And I've even read it before. But, um, you know, seeing the encounter with Kylo Ren at the very end, 
I'm curious as to how they're going to do it because you kind of see a little bit of that during Star Tours. So I feel like it's kind of been done. I know why they're doing it because it's a Rise of the Resistance ride. It's kind of about that. So um, I don't know. I just kind of want to be impressed because we've already done a ride with Kylo Ren in it. The rest of the ride's going to be really cool, but I just kind of want to wait and see how I feel about that part. This brings up a, a broader point, Alex, but how are you feeling about the, uh, the, the Disney Star Wars movies? I'm good with them. I mean, it's a, it's a very it's a very uh, it's a very hot hot topic, you know, hot button issue these days. So I'm definitely on the pro side. I, th- I think I would rather have even problematic Star Wars than no Star Wars at all. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Disney things have done some dumb moves, and I think they've done some really uh, brilliant things. So uh, it's, it's a mixed bag. So I had a question about the. Do you think the when they say Ray sends you a message and you see you see Kylo Ren, do you think they will get Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley for this? Yes. They've already filmed, they filmed them while they were filming episode nine. Yeah. So they have, yeah, Daisy Ridley, uh, Adam Driver, Finn, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, is there, and uh, and Poe Dameron. uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on actors' names, but... Yeah, all that was done during filming. They thought ahead and filmed all of their scenes during mm-hmm. episode nine so that they are there and in real costume. and everything. Yeah. Their contracts so. also probably have them say, like, you have to do a lot. You know, they don't want them to get another Harrison Ford on their hands who's like, I don't want to do anything. You <laughs> no. know, so they, 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 you have to participate yeah. in every ancillary thing that your character is involved in. And I am sure it is not an accident that someone like Daisy Ridley, this, you know, is, is young and hasn't had a ton of acting experience. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely sure they took advantage of that in the contract and have her locked down to do things like yeah. this for 10 more years. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with like the newer star tours, but uh, Finn is in that you'll see him and anyone else that you see in the newer star tours um, from the movies. I'm sure there is. I, I can't think of it right now. I think Poe maybe. Oh, Poe. Yeah. Po oh, BBA? Oh, he must yeah, be. Yeah. In yeah the, the droids yeah. and everything, but as far as like face actors, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oscar Isaac does it too. They have like the old projection of Leia. That's my fa- still my favorite one. Yeah, because it's with the 3D. The projection actually like comes out towards you, and it's uh, it's very cool. The, this is another thing that ha- the Harry Potter rides had a problem with, is that uh, Emma Watson, who played Hermione in the films, uh, basically does not do any of the voice work at huh. Universal now, and it's very very noticeable that mm-hmm. they have Rupert Grint and. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe, thank you. And it's a the ever clever theme park community calls her Fomini <laughs> because it's very clearly not her voice. And even the images, she's always like kind of far away, and her hair is like half covering her face because it's not Emma Watson. But they kind of thought ahead with this. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that was part of it. They were like, "Hey, while we're filming, let's do as much of this as we can." And but I also think that's part of the reason why they made this kind of a generic planet is so that if in the future, they add more stuff. They can just kind of use whatever and make up characters instead of necessarily using ones from the movie. Although mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll also push everything from the newer films as, as much as possible. There will be one million porgs sold, no doubt. Well, speaking of which, let's talk about the shopping and the merchandise because I'm very excited to kind of hear what Alex thinks and if he'll be buying anything. So <laughs> I want to start with the most exciting thing to me, which is the hand-built lightsabers. So Brian, can you talk about how that's kind of going to go from what we know and what we've read? Well, this is a kind of combination shopping show experience, kind of like uh, we've been, I've been mentioning the Harry Potter stuff a lot, and I don't think that's an accident. I think Disney looked at what Universal had done well over there and, and copied it as closely as they could. Oh, for sure. But the Savi's Workshop hand-built lightsabers, Savi is a scrapper who is sympathetic to the resistance and has been collecting lightsaber parts for a very long time and needs, you know, a hero to come build them. And that hero is whoever pays for it. I've seen some rumors of how this is going to work actually very recently. And uh, it sounds like you're going to have to sign up in advance, get a spot. There are only 14 build spots per kind of round. And then they kind of walk you through. It sounds like there's going to be like show elements almost that explain the lightsabers. And you're going to go to different stations to pick different parts. You get to start with the Kyber crystal and then build the whole hilt out. And then you can put a blade on it if you want, or I think you can just buy the hilt because they are, priced separately uh we've heard they're going to be about 110 for the hilt and 50 for the blade 
You get to choose four different colors, uh, purple, green, blue, and red, and then different, you know, types of lightsabers based on the uh, different elements. Peace and justice is Jedi. Power and control is is more of the Sith thing. And there's elemental nature and protection and defense. Uh, sorry, I, I really don't like monologuing about all these things. Well, no, it, it just gives me questions to think. I mean, it's it's truly going to be an experiment experience. And, you know, if you've done the Ollivander show at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, it's going to be like that, but on steroids, because everyone who's there it gets, it gets to be interactive for, you know, because you get to actually pick things out. And it's like picking your own wand, you know, instead of just one person doing it, if you've done that show before. I think it's going to be really neat and it's already has me wanting to do it so alex would you buy a lightsaber or build your own i suppose uh i don't think i will get a lightsaber i'm not much of a toy collector as much as i used to be anymore when i was a kid mm-hmm. so uh when i was younger so uh, i hate to be the wet blanket but uh but i know so 100 150 bucks is <laughs> no. really steep i know i know I, that's the first time i've seen the price mm-hmm. too so that's going to be hard. I well, and, and that's supposedly the starting price, which makes me think that most of them are going to. Yeah, be that's going to be like a, a, a wooden stick with a with a flashlight attached to it. That's the hundred fifty. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, if if it worked like a real lightsaber, where like the blade went in and out and made the the sounds, then I would I would definitely do it. But it's just a a stationary blade. Yeah, this one I've kind of debated because I am not a collector of of things. Pretty much everybody I work with and, and most of our our fans, I think, tend to have a lot of, you know, Disney related decorations and clothing and things, Angela included in that. Mm-hmm. And I, I do not. I'm not the type of person that, that does that. And, uh, and I'm considering maybe just getting like a hilt just to put on my desk. Or attached to your belt. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, with my, I, I have to grow my hair out so I can get the braid right though. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't know. I, I kind of want to see the show, but I have a feeling the only way is to be with someone that is purchasing it. So uh, it's a weird thing because like the Ollivanders, the, the wand choosing thing at Harry Potter, you don't have to purchase. Even if you get right. picked for the wand, you don't have to buy it. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you, you, ha- you are like basically being forced to purchase it if you go through with it, which I don't know. It doesn't quite sit right with me. Yeah. And for me, you know, I... I am a sucker for the Disney merchandise. I try to buy when it's on sale, but mainly I try to buy things that I'm going to use for the house or mm-hmm. clothes for my kids or I. This, I would want to buy. You can't find a use for a lightsaber? I, unless it really worked, but um, I feel like it's something I would want to display like or mount to the wall or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like It'd be like a prize thing, especially with that price tag. You know, It's nothing I would really give to my kids and be like, hey, you can go play with this. Like, no, no. mama's shelling out a lot of money for this. It's going to be mine, but I don't know. Like, it sounds so cool. I want to, I want to spend the money, but like you said, you know, it's a lot. And what kind of lightsaber would I pick? You know, the options sound kind of endless. And like you said, the prices only go up from there. Yeah. Well, that would, that would be another fear of mine that like, I'd start picking stuff and I'd get to the end and they're like, oh, that's a $450 lightsaber. I'd be like, whoa, no. I know. Be like, I'll put it back. But well, let's let's see what else is you know what other shops are going to be available, and also this these shops are going to be more like kind of like a street market, right, Brian? Yeah, these are supposed to be set up. I don't know exactly which ones, but I think most of the food stands and shops are kind of set up like a market where it's it's like a covered walkway with stalls on either side, kind of thing, which sounds like it could be a traffic nightmare, but um, but should look very cool and i'll just i'll just go through the the rest of the, the shops real quick here sure. there's uh, mubo's droid depot uh, which is similar to the lightsaber thing except you are building a droid you can pick either an r or a bb unit there is bina's creature stall where you buy you know quote-unquote pets they are of course not not real pets mm-hmm. and uh you can get tentacle beasts and i know there's i'm pretty sure there's wampas there that if you pet them they will you know make weird noises and stuff and then there is the toydarian toy shop uh, with zabaka the toydarian and uh, if, if those of you who might recognize that word uh watto in uh in phantom menace and attack of the clones who uh was the previous slave owner of anakin skywalker is a toydarian mm-hmm. so i fully expect to walk in there and hear honey <laughs> 
<laughs> which won't happen because this is a female Toydarian, and I have a feeling they did that so that they didn't have to do the voice. The voice was so good, Brian. <laughs> Thank you. Again, something I've heard Alex do a million times on, on Star Wars Minute. It is oh, very fun. It's so good. And it's a little bit less problematic than the uh, Trade Federation uh, voices. So, <laughs> Yeah. Ever so slightly. And there are also two clothing shops, uh, one for more resistance angled clothing and one for first order clothing um, mm-hmm. that I didn't have listed on here. But Alex, any of these jump out I'm for any I'm curious as to what to resistance you? clothing looks like because none of their clothing seems that distinctive to me, but uh, I'm sure they'll sure they'll come up yeah it seems to also include like jedi clothing like that's where i think you you would buy like jedi robes and and things like that the promo pictures they they put out for it i don't think i don't think that one actually has the the name the resistance name in it and i should have written it down so that i didn't you know forget what it was but the promo photos they put out seem to indicate that it is is also jedi themed. it's basically anything that is not first order oh yeah they have they have a little ray costume you can get they have well, looking at jedi the, robes looking at the clothes for the adults like they're not as interesting as the kids clothes so i feel like it's definitely going to be more tailored to the kids naturally because those are the ones who want the costumes yeah it looks like the rebel insignia is pretty heavily used even though i don't think the resistance still uses that yeah i'm uh, I, I have to see i'm not opposed to buying anything but the, the descriptions sound vague enough where i'm not i can't even picture what they're exactly are going to be selling so it would have to be a yeah uh, mm-hmm. i was actually disappointed last time i when we went to the star tours ride i don't even think i bought anything at the store i, I was kind of disappointed i was ready to mm-hmm. get my money and I, nothing really grabbed me so i don't know what i'm in the market for you know, I would agree. I felt like they didn't have a ton to offer that that you would really want as a Star Wars fan. It was more tailored to the kids. But that being said, I think being in that environment where you're completely immersed in Star Wars, I feel like you're going to get, not you, but someone would get in that environment oh, yeah. and be like, I need it all yeah. or like, I need something. I definitely think there'll be people like that, but I, I, I'm the same way I've gone, you know, I'm, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. And, you know, the first time I went to Universal to to see that stuff, I kind of exp- like I actually like budgeted money, and then I was like, okay, I'll I'll spend up to you know this amount, and I don't think I got anything. And the the merchandise is is great, but like mm-hmm. we were saying before, it's you know I I don't need a wand. What am I going to do with it? Like I don't I don't need a, a Quidditch like a quaffle hanging out on my desk. Like there's nothing. Um, the only things I tend to buy at Universal are. Uh, in their Simpsons land. I've spent more <laughs> money than I care to on Simpsons related t-shirts. But uh, <laughs> No, I mean, when I went uh, to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, I got snacks. Because I feel like sometimes, and maybe this will be the case for uh, Galaxy's Edge, is that there's almost too much to choose from. So it's like sensory overload. Yeah. You get overwhelmed. So you that almost turns you off from buying something. And maybe that'll be the case. Because like I said, I just got snacks. I didn't buy any merchandise when I went to the Wizarding World. So yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know if I need like a little Rancor or anything. I actually I think I still have my Return of the Jedi Rancor in my parents' attic. So maybe I'll just dig that out again and put it on my desk. There you go. You already have one. Let's talk dining and see what kind of food maybe any of us or sure. Alex will be interested in trying. I didn't list most of the food on here because there's a ton of it. But um, the food is very funny because it's like the merchandise it's all supposed to be you know quote unquote in world like disney is very proud of the fact that you will not be able to buy a shirt that says you know star wars galaxy's edge on it It, you know (laughs) you of course will be able to but not not within the land you'll have to go you know outside the land to to go get that super Um, sneaky yeah and and the same with the food it's not beef short ribs it's kadu ribs so they're all named and a lot of them it is kind of funny a lot of them are named after animals that, that you can eat the kadu and the shock uh both from the, the people <laughs> so gross there's there's especially after you see what the shock looks like oh my it's, gosh it's not appetizing looking I want it's very it's fatty fun. oh my gosh a little blubber gross and one of them i think is an authorian something that one always cracks me up because like the others are named after uh-huh. what they're made of. Uh, so I always think, oh, we're eating an Orthorian. That seems cruel, but it's just, it's, it's made of something that they like. It's to like French eat, toast. It's not made from real French people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that would actually be very funny if they were just like, oh, this is, you know, Jawa. 
here's here's some Jawa juice. They haven't really explained, Jawa. explored a lot what the um, line is between which which animals are considered sentient and edible and which ones are not considered. That uh, we'll have to see. Hopefully, they'll explore that more. Well, we're gonna find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, apparently. And speaking of of Jawa juice, I I said I think on our our Attack of the Clones rewatch that Texas Diner was like my biggest fear with Star Wars Land because that's one of the few very clear eateries that they show mm-hmm. in the Star Wars films. And I thought, oh no, are they just going to put a 50s diner in the middle of this thing? And thank goodness that was one of the good decisions Disney made. Yeah, it, it would not have fit in well with the rest of the land at all. It doesn't, doesn't fit with the movie. I don't know why it would with the land. But, but I mean, if uh, they would have had robots serving you, that would have been a little cool. Well, yeah. But they could have done that with any other yeah. restaurant. And I'm sorry, I'm trashing it, Alex, but uh, would would you have been pro, pro or con for uh, Dex's I would have been pro, in, in especially if they had, especially if they had a, really? they had a person dressed up like Dexter with four arms and stuff walking around. <laughs> four arms? Just two yes, of them attached yeah. to the back of his pants? No, they'd be hanging loose, you know, then. just like, like limp, limp and dead, just hanging there and like... <laughs> I mean, I more had an issue with like how unclean uh-huh. the diner looked. So I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know if I could have eaten there. But then again, I'm going to try something like Kadu ribs and shack roast. So yeah. I really can't complain. I'm assuming when it comes that stuff will just be like regular earth animals. Just I know the, the Kadu ribs, I, I'm pretty sure are beef short ribs um, and the shock roast. I think that's pork maybe. I, they do say, and I'm a... I'm assuming that on the menu, they will have to find a okay. way to say what it really is because no one's <laughs> just going to order blind. Oh yeah. They'll have, they have to have a picture. They do have pictures, I think, don't they? But even that, I mean, the, there's, there's going to be some poor guy trying to order for his like family of six staring at it going, okay, what's the shock again? If I was running that restaurant, I would occasionally like, I would prepare fake big elaborate dishes and then periodically have someone carry them through the room. So people would think, Oh my God, look, someone ordered the uh, Bantha steak or whatever. And you know, <laughs> something like that. That'd be fun. Wouldn't it? <laughs> that would, just, well, just a little, a little salacious yeah, exactly. crumb like dead mouth. on a tray that you carry through or something. <laughs> well, and you know what? I, I was talking about, you know, a robot serving you, but at Ronto roasters, they have food being cooked by a robot. It's just a prop. But I yeah. mean, they kind of do incorporate that hmm. into the food and the, yeah. the environment. They're doing quite a bit, it seems, of animatronic and, and droid work in the shops. Like, not that actually like interact with you necessarily, but yeah, the Ronto Roasters is is like a the, the Ronto creature, I believe, is the one that the Jawas are, ride. <laughs> right, in the special edition. Yeah, I don't know why I was searching my brain for that when I could have just asked you. I'm sure. Just ask the pro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is literally why we asked you to be on here. But um, the the meat itself is being cooked by a pod racing engine, and uh, turn the spit is being turned by a droid. Which uh, sounds oh, it's barbecue pork. Never mind. I did actually write that down. Here. That sounds good. Um, it does, and it looks real good. They're like little tacos. Uh, oh, of course, Oga's Cantina, which I think is going to be the main attraction, mm-hmm. dining wise. It is not quite the most Eisley Cantina, although it looks real, real similar. And there we we mentioned him before, but RX-24, uh, Rex, who was the original pilot of Star Tours, is going to be the DJ in uh, in the cantina. Oh, it's good. They got, got him work. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he moved out to Batu and, and took up DJing as, I guess, all out-of-work people eventually float to as being a DJ. And speaking of voice actors, uh, they got uh, the original voice actor for this was Paul Rubens to do really? uh, all the, the recordings for Rex again. Yeah. You know, they pretty much had to do yeah. a cantina that was like yeah, the one of Mos yeah. Eisley's. Can you imagine the outrage if they built a Star Wars land mm-hmm. and didn't have the cantina? I just think because of the song and, you know, just the nostalgia of it all, I think people would have complained. But I want to talk about the blue milk or lack thereof. I mean, there is going to technically be something mm-hmm. that looks like blue milk, but it will actually not be. It's going to be a dairy-free smoothie. And you can either get it in berry or citrus flavor, which was new to me until today. So I'm actually very excited Mm. about that because I was on board to try it, whether I liked it or not. But now I'm a little more excited to try it, knowing that's just going to be a smoothie. Yeah, well, I mean, milk in Florida in the summer just sounds (laughs) horrible. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess same question. Does any of these dining places kind of jump out at you? Anything that you are particularly keen to try? I, it's hard to say because I'm like, yeah, give me the, uh, give me the, you know, the pudu steak. You know, I, it's 
but uh, I'll definitely be I'll definitely <laughs> be curious as to how they uh, do their food. Uh, you know, I guess I'm more much more interested in the decor and everything than I am in the actual food, which I assume is just going to be amusement park food, just kind of in a more expensive package. You know. You know, that being said, we've we've talked about the shopping, we've talked about the dining, we've talked about the attractions. Alex, what are you most excited to do when you do go to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, whenever that might be? I'd say uh, going on the Falcon. Yeah. Walking around the, like, I would love to just walk around sets, Star Wars sets. You know what I mean? That's mostly what I'm interested in, more, even more so than rides or anything like that, is just being in an, in an environment like that. I think that's most. No, I agree. My only concern is just that it's going to be like packed with people. So we're going to be on the Falcon with like 25 other people all stumbling around, taking pictures and wrecking everything and so on. Well, from what I understand, I think there is going to be places throughout the queue where you can stop and take Mm -hmm. pictures so that it doesn't really interrupt the line, but you do get an opportunity to get pictures with it. And there is going to be a place. I can never remember the name where they play chess. Dejaric. Dejaric, Yeah. I think you could take a picture. You could call it hollow chess. Hollow chess. Everybody gets it. Yeah. Yeah, They know what I'm talking about, but I completely agree with you for me. I mean, the attractions are going to be amazing, but for me, it's being, it's like when I walked into the wizarding world of Harry Potter for the first time, it was being completely immersed in that environment that I've been imagining for so many years and just like seeing it, smelling it, just that complete immersion. I think that's going to be amazing. I'm much the same as as I, I, the, my nostalgia is going to carry me a lot more. I, I think so. The Millennium Falcon and the Cantina, I think, are the ones that are are really going to hit me. And I will be tapping everyone on the shoulder in the Cantina and yelling, "He doesn't like you." <laughs> so that will, I, I will. I'm going to be the worst. You're going to cause a fight. <laughs> I've been trying to get Brian to dress up in a Lando costume, but I don't think I'm succeeding yet. Mm. I'm going to work which on one? it. There's one that I'm eyeing. Is that, Which one was it, Brian? It, it was Empire. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was one of Billy D's for sure. When you first meet him in Empire oh, okay. on Cloud City, it was that one. Yes. With the cape. Yep. It would be interesting, but uh, yeah, I have a I, I have a feeling I am going to be insufferable, just like half of the people that are there on opening day. Well, so you'll be in good company then. Yeah, for real. I guess my final question for you, Alex, is uh, what's your opinion on Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker? What's my opinion of him? Yeah, do you think it was a good choice? Hmm, I feel like I'm walking into a trap here for some reason. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, a <laughs> it's a trap. By the way, they really missed out on an opportunity to have a stand called "It's a Wrap." Yeah. <laughs> I'm making a wrap stand. I feel like that was a missed well, they, opportunity. They they've done gone down that road before. The original California Adventure had a lot of like pun based names. I don't think it went over well. Yeah, I but oh, well, speaking of, uh, so I can divert the, the topic for 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 alex i can answer um the when he asked about the acreage disneyland itself not including star wars land is 85 oh. acres so 14 is going to make up a pretty good uh, portion of that uh the only other ones i could find listed are are uh, new orleans square uh, is three acres critter country which is where like splash mountain is is four acres hmm. so that's sizable and then. Yeah. It is it is pretty big. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna add what about twenty percent or so more acreage to the park. I just can't believe they yeah. can make the room in either of those parks. Well Hollywood Studios doesn't make sense. There's a lot of space around it. Disneyland is is shocking. Yes. Yeah. So to answer your question, uh I have bear no ill will towards Mr. Christensen. I really hope that he shows up in episode nine. I would really uh like that because yeah yeah did you see those that that news lately about him possibly his voice right oh maybe no i hadn't heard that specifically but uh anything's possible yeah it was like five days ago a news article came out that possibly his voice might be yeah. in it talking to i think like oh it was either ray or kylo ren now i can't remember hmm. maybe it was ray well kylo ren would make sense right uh, but well he's hayden is is going to be at celebration yeah. so i'll ask maybe Maybe I'll get a chance to, to bump in. Yeah, no, I, I think I think we both kind of came down on that side too. That it nothing that happened, none of the the bad parts of the prequels are his fault. Yeah. Uh, so it was um, the script, I think. The the character is is tough. <laughs> so, yeah, very conflicted, which I guess he played well mm-hmm. in that sense. Brian and I spent a lot of time talking about this throughout the the last two prequels, so that's why I had to <laughs> I had to bring you into the conversation. I sent him a YouTube video arguing 
why he was a good choice to play Anakin. I sent that to Brian. So I had to bring in a pro and get your opinion. Uh, I don't know if he was a good choice because I feel like the direction and the writing were so eccentric. Not eccentric exactly, but like I, I think I would like to yeah. see him working with a different director and a different script to see what he could do with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. That makes Sorry. a lot of sense. The script well, in particular. And I, I think something that, that I know you and Pete have said a lot on, on Star Wars Minute too is that just the character of Anakin, it, it, starting him a little further along the process and a little older would have made a huge, huge yeah. difference. Absolutely. Save for the reboot. I, yeah, I have a feeling Disney will stay very far away hmm. from uh, hmm. from the prequels. If I think if they do anything, it will be more filling in the gaps type stuff like they're doing with the uh, with like they did with Solo and Rogue One. If they continue to do those, I guess that's even up in the air now. If they're going to continue to make the one offs uh, as regularly as they had initially planned to, right? Yeah, because because Solo didn't do as well as they hoped at all. No, Solo is the first Star Wars movie that uh, could be considered a bomb. It, it did not make all of its money back. So, well, Just too bad. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think that we talked about everything that we needed to. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing. I'm so glad that you are here today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. If you'd like to listen to Star Wars Minute, you can find them on Twitter at Star Wars Minute. Um, Alex is at a Rob A R O B Twit T W I T, and Pete is at Pete the Retailer. And I am uh, going to plug the, the website is StarWarsMinute.com. They also have quite a few very cool T-shirts. I know several of them are drawn by Alex himself. Um, I particularly enjoy the uh, Sabalba <laughs> and uh, and the Bad Motivator with the uh, five mm-hmm. before. Is that the, the droid in that one? Yeah, um, I uh, I am eyeballing that Bad Motivator shirt very closely because I certainly have a Bad Motivator <laughs> someday. Popular so. one. Those links will be in the show notes. If you want to follow us at Touring Plans, that's across all social media. Brian is yes that Brian on Twitter, and I am at Angela Dahlgren. You can use hashtag TPPOD to let us know of any upcoming episode ideas that you have. And please go to touringplans.com for more information. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. So long. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Touring Plans Podcast. More money-saving episodes on the way. In the meantime, plan your perfect trip at touringplans.com.